0: Will you pray with me this morning? God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of each of our hearts be pleasing to you, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. I have always had a hard time controlling my words. I am sarcastic. I can be impulsive with my words, especially if I've come up with a particularly witty comeback. I occasionally go for what will get a big laugh over what may be actually appropriate in the moment. You all know, you've heard the stories of middle middle school Stephanie who had her own share of issues with talking during class. I can't say that adult Stephanie has completely overcome that issue. I can think of many times in this week alone Where I said something, I wish I could walk back. Words have power. Today, we continue a four-week sermon series on the book of James. A few weeks ago, Kristen Steed kicked us off with chapter one, and she focused on how to be authentic in our faith through the perfect gift of grace and how kindness can demonstrate God's love out in the world. You may remember last week, we looked at the second chapter of James, and we considered how favoritism manifests in today's world and how we are all called to combat that. Today we'll look at the third chapter of James. In his letter, James intends to help support and challenge this group of early believers. He knows the community he's writing to. And James wants the best for this community too. Because James knows them, he's very specific about ways they've failed and ways they can do better. This is one of those mornings where I just want to have story time with Stephanie, and I'll sit down and we can read the whole book uh, together, especially this chapter. This chapter is jam-packed with things, and so I feel like I tell you this every week. If you're not reading James on your own, y'all, come on. It's not too late. Pick up the book. We can do it together. I want to make sure we hear a lot of this third chapter, so we're going to be back and forth through Scripture, and the pieces I skip over, I'm going to try to summarize because they're all really important. All right, so like all of us, James knows that our words can have power, but James also believes that our actions should actually speak louder than what we say. That's kind of a big part about what we talked about last week. But James can't deny that words have power. I think we all can agree that our actions are really great at demonstrating our faith out in the world and more reliably than our words sometimes do. But still, there's something about words that we say that stick with people long after they've left our mouth. James uses this third chapter to make a two-fold argument. He wants us to know that the tongue can be very powerful and often very dangerous and... The second part of James' argument is that he gives us some ways to combat the tongue, to control our tongue, and ways we can work to make the world brighter, which I think is what we are all about here. So to do this, James begins talking about teachers. He actually warns right at the beginning against being a teacher. He's like, they have a really high standard. If you're a teacher, people are going to hold you to a high standard. They're going to hold you accountable. You better think about it before you jump at it, which, yeah, fair warning, got it. So we're going to skip through that, but also teachers are great, be a teacher. Okay, we're going to look at James uh, chapter 3, verse 3, and he gives us these three kind of analogies of the tongue. So he's comparing what a tongue is like. So he starts with the third verse saying, when we bridle horses and put bits in their mouth to lead them wherever we want, we can control their whole body. So the idea of a horse and this little bitty thing in its mouth, that is actually what controls it when a rider is on a horse. So a small thing has control of a huge animal. And if that doesn't make sense to you, he's going to give us another example. Verses 4 through 5. Consider ships. They are so large that strong winds are needed to drive them. But pilots direct these huge ships wherever they want with a little rudder. In the same way, even though the tongue is a small part of the body, it boasts wildly. So now, if you didn't follow the horse in the bit, Now we have a ship and a rudder example. So a big ship, I tried to find a ship that was more like Jesus time. This is what I came up with. Uh, And uh, there's a little rudder and that is actually what controls the motion of the boat. So a big boat with a little tiny thing that controls where it goes. The first two analogies that James gives us show that even though our tongues may be a pretty small portion of our bodies, They have the power to control who we are when we go out in the world. Now, James kind of takes us for a doozy with his third analogy here. We're going to read 5b through 10. Think about this. A small flame can set a whole forest on fire. The tongue is a small flame of fire, a world of evil at work in us. It contaminates our entire lives. Because of it, the circle of life is set on fire. The tongue itself is set on fire by the flames of hell. People can tame and have already tamed every kind of animal, bird, reptile, and fish. No one can tame the tongue, though. It is a restless evil, full of deadly poison. With it, we both bless the Lord and Father and curse human beings made in God's likeness. Blessing and cursing come from the same mouth. My brothers and sisters, it should not be this way. James goes a little off script with his description of a flame and a forest fire. He doesn't just say that this little flame has the power to overtake the entire forest. Instead, He actually says that the tongue is a small flame of evil at work in each of us. And that it has the power to contaminate us. And no one can ever fully tame the tongue. It's not really upbeat and happy. (laughs) It's kind of scary. But if you've been hurt by words before, you understand this warning. If you've seen words hurt others, you understand what he's saying. Both blessings and cursing come from this really small part of our body. When was the last time you blessed someone with your words? It may be easier for us to think of the last time someone blessed us with their words. I'm not talking about after a sneeze either. Bless you. Uh, although that's very polite and sweet. A month ago, we were together here in this space on a really hard day. It was the Sunday after the shootings in Uvalde, and it was the weekend our youth program lost one of our adult volunteers to cancer. If you were here with us, you may remember the emotions of that day. A few days after we met together, I was at an event and I had a preacher friend text me words of encouragement after they had taken time to listen to our sermon from that day. This is a super rare thing to happen to me. You all have no problem chatting with me at the back, talking about the sermon, all the good, all the bad, but for another preacher somewhere else to take time out of their day and listen to our sermon and then to not be competitive, but instead to send words of encouragement, it was this unexpected blessing to me. I didn't expect to receive these words, these words of encouragement, from someone else. And honestly, once I received that blessing, it made me wanna bless other preachers. I started listening to random sermons from some of my friends, just so I could text them encouraging words because I knew what it felt like. When was the last time someone blessed you with their words? When was the last time you blessed someone with your words. Our positive words can start a fire just as much as our negative words can. But like James reminds us, we have to really work to combat the cursing that our tongues can do. Because when we are negative with the same mouth that we're positive with, it can obscure that good that we've already done out in the world. Unfortunately, for many of us here, it may be easier for you all to remember a time someone said something mean to you than when someone blessed you. Or it may be easier for you to think of something mean you said to someone instead of a time you blessed someone, because that guilt sits with most of us after those mean words leave our mouths. James basically ends this section of the tongue saying that it's impossible to tame the tongue. We're going to fail over and over and over and over again. But James thinks it should not be that way. He thinks we should still keep trying to control our words even though it's difficult, even though it may feel fruitless at times. We are called to bless more than we curse, to heal more than we harm. When this particular passage about the tongue is included in the church lectionary, so kind of the idea of reading the whole book through a few years uh, in the church, typically this section about the tongue, these first 10 verses, are separated from the last few verses of James. So they're used in two separate sermons. But I already told you James had a two-fold argument, so we need that second half this morning. And we're not following the lectionary. We're doing a sermon series so we can get away with it. So we are going to spend some time looking at these last six verses of James. And I think they're really important because for me, They give us some examples, some ways we can really control our tongues out in the world. So hear these, James 3, verses 13 through 18. Are any of you wise and understanding? Show that your actions are good with a humble lifestyle that comes from wisdom. However, if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your heart, then stop bragging and living in ways that deny the truth. This is not the wisdom that comes down from above. Instead, it is from the earth, natural and demonic. Wherever there is jealousy and selfish ambition, there is disorder and everything that is evil. What of the wisdom from above? First, it is pure and then peaceful, gentle, obedience, filled with mercy and good actions, fair and genuine. This is my favorite verse. Those who make peace sow the seeds of justice by their peaceful acts. This is the word of God for the people of God. Let the church say, thanks be to God. One of the things I really admire about James is the confidence in which he writes. He doesn't leave much room for second-guessing or misinterpretation. He writes honestly and openly. James wastes no space saying that bitter jealousy and selfish ambition, even if they're hidden deep in your heart, that it's not of God. Those things are of the world. Instead, the wisdom God grants from above is pure, peaceful, gentle, obedient, filled with mercy and good actions, fair and genuine. I don't love that the lectionary separates these verses from the verses about the tongue because I think that these last verses demonstrate how we are called to use our tongues for healing in the world, for good in the world. The past few days have been hard for many Americans. It's deeper than politics or one side winning over another. And wherever you find yourself, you have no doubt read hate and fear and despair on social media in the last 48 hours. You have no doubt heard passionate arguments and confident celebrations all over the news. As a human, if I'm going to be honest with you all, I feel really weary. I feel overwhelmed with all the different opinions. As a pastor, I want to speak for truth and forgiveness, and healing, and safety, and understanding. As a woman, I want to be heard. I want to be seen. But today I find myself as a woman and as a pastor, and I feel extremely limited by what I allow my tongue to do in these kinds of moments, and then, I read this section of James chapter three and I'm reminded what wisdom looks like. Not wisdom of this world, but wisdom that comes only from God. It is pure and then peaceful, gentle, obedient, filled with mercy and good actions fair and genuine those who make peace sow the seeds of justice by their peaceful acts all of those sound like really great things for our world right now and if i'm being honest with you you all know uh, i am kind of i push back on authority sometimes so the word obedient is really the part i struggle with most in this passage but then I'm reminded that it's not obedience to this world, it's obedience to God. The God who creates us, who loves us, who fights for us, who pursues us day after day. When I realize this, I'm able to see a path forward. A path that is filled with peaceful acts that lead to justice for all people. And it begins with using our words to heal and not to harm. How do we help heal this world? We're not Jesus and still, we can bring about healing in the world. What does that look like in each of our lives? What are ways that we can step up and be beacons of peace that bless the people around us. Each of our answers are going to look different from one another, and that's okay. It's welcomed. Believe it or not, I will probably continue to struggle with controlling my tongue. Most of us will, but James, James shows us how our faith in God can lead the way to doing more blessing than cursing out in the world. It begins by denying the things of this world that lead us to bitter jealousy and selfish ambition. It begins with acts of peace that bring about healing and justice. I want us all to be able to think of these times and times and times where people have blessed us because it's happening so often in each of our lives. I want us to be able to think of the times we've blessed others just right away because it happens so often in our lives. This is the kind of world we are called to create, not one of curses and harm but one of blessings and healing. It starts with peace. Those who make peace, sow the seeds of justice by their peaceful acts. May we each work to control our tongues and to bring justice through peace. This is how we bring about the realm of God here to earth. May it be so.